we are in a series right now called Spirit-Filled Fruit that is talking about the outcome or the result of what happens when you have a relationship or a partnership with the Spirit of God. Pastor Sean, uh, two weeks ago, spoke on the first of these, uh, these things we call the fruit of the Spirit. He talked about love. And then he asked me, I'm Aaron Poor, the associate pastor here, by the way. He asked me to take this week. And so we're going to talk about joy today. And I want to tell you this, this message is nothing but good news from start to finish. And joy is something that God wants you to have. And if you don't really truly understand what joy is, and I'm talking about the biblical definition of joy, then you are only living a fraction of the good life that God wants you to have. Because joy is a supernatural thing. So I want to say this, though, about just the fruit of the Spirit in general. Because sometimes, whether it's because of our upbringing or kind of a religious background, we can get a picture in our mind or an idea in our mind of what the fruit of the Spirit is. And we can think of the fruit of the Spirit as a list of behaviors that we are to strive to carry out in our life, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, all these things. And we can kind of take an approach to the fruit of the Spirit as if, God is saying, you better be loving. You better be joyful. You better do everything you can to be at peace. You better try as hard as you can to be patient, as if it's a list of expectations. But it's not a list of expectations. It's a list of outcomes. And the pursuit is not love. The pursuit is not joy. The pursuit is not peace. The pursuit is the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit are these things we're talking about. And so just going right into this with that clarity is going to make it a lot, you're gonna, this is going to make sense really quick. So today we're talking about the result of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life that we call joy, joy. And really what joy is, is a supernatural empowerment that God has made available to us. A supernatural empowerment. It goes beyond our natural ability or capacity to experience it just on our own. And I like to take that idea of supernatural empowerment and kind of simplify it down a little bit, and I just call it a superpower. And that's okay to think of it that way because if you're like me, you've probably had days where you had the thought, I know I'm supposed to live like Jesus, but I feel like I need a superpower to do it today. I mean, I know I'm supposed to love this person, but I just don't feel like I personally, just me, myself, have the capacity to do that. And that's the wonderful thing. The relationship with the Holy Spirit produces this thing in us called love. And it's more than we can, it's more than what we bring to the table. It's God's love in us. And today what we're talking about is the same idea, but joy. And so there is a superpower called joy that comes out of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So we need to step into, we need to lean in to 
our relationship with the Holy Spirit, but I think we need to actually step in to a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit and watch what happens, watch the outcome that comes out of that. So let's start by just asking the simple question, what is joy? What is joy? Because you're going to see here in just a second that there are so many ways you can define this. And we've got to kind of lock this down so that we understand specifically what we're talking about so that we can really get what God is looking uh, to, to put in us out of this. What is joy? So there are a lot of natural, non-biblical definitions to joy. You know, I mean, when we're not talking about the fruit of the Spirit and all that, we could say joy is just the happy feeling that you have when things are going well, right? But we're not talking about that. We're talking about what the Bible is describing in the fruit of the Spirit. And so this is a different thing. And when you get into the Bible, you're going to find that there are many, many, many different words, both in the Hebrew and the Greek, that are translated as joy, all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. But there is one underlying idea that I want to try to get across to you to kind of get a handle on what we're talking about. And joy is a spiritual satisfaction that results from knowing and serving God. Think of it that way, just for the purpose of our conversation here. Joy is a spiritual satisfaction that comes from knowing and serving God. And uh, one of the most important things about joy It actually comes out of Nehemiah 8.10, where it says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And remember, I told you just a second ago, when we said joy is a superpower, there are days where you feel like, man, I need, I feel like I'm done with the strength that I've got. I don't have any more strength to to deal with whatever this situation is, whatever this weight is that I'm carrying, I'm out you know, I'm dry. Uh, there is no fuel in the tank, and I need God give me strength. How many people have ever prayed that prayer? God give me strength. Well, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so you, you see how important it is that we have this in our life. If you don't have joy, then you're going to have a deficit of strength. And here's another wonderful thing, too. And, and we're just kind of getting some of the business Uh, done here at the beginning, just to kind of lay a foundation to build on. Joy comes from God, and it's available to every person. So joy is not a personality trait, okay? Now, we have different personalities, right? I mean, I've got a different personality than you. We're all different. We could kind of take our different personalities and, and divide them into different categories, uh, we, could even, we could even simplify it down to just, you're either an introvert or an extrovert, right? But here's the beautiful thing. Joy is not just the possession or the territory of bold extroverts. Joy is something that is meant to be enjoyed by anybody who has a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So remove right now from your mind any thought that being joyful and being a joyful person is somehow connected 
with a certain kind of personality. That's not true. That's not the case. Joy is for you. It's meant for you. It's something that God wants to see you living in and experiencing every day. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, And so it's a little bit easier to understand what joy is and how joy works when we think about how God made us. And when we understand that, um, the rest of what we're going to talk about kind of falls into place. So God made us to be body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. And uh, this, is, this is really kind of common sense if you think about it. Because think, you know, everybody in here who, you know, let's, let's assume that everybody in this room is following Jesus, born again. You know, Jesus in John chapter 3 described this process. He called it being born again. So when you were born again, you weren't physically born again, right? I mean, if I was somebody that walked in here right now and came up and prayed and decided I'm giving my life to Jesus, Jesus, come into my life, take over, I follow you, and I'm born again. If I was bald when I came in, I'm still going to be bald when I'm born again. So whatever happened didn't happen to my body. And when you're born again, the thing that we call the soul, which for sake of this conversation, I'm just going to call it the mind, the will, and the emotions, okay? So your mind, your will, and your emotions, those didn't get totally magically transformed uh, and born again. They began a process of being changed. We talk about Romans 12.2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, an accurate way to translate that, to get into some grammar, would to say, be being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we see that this part of us, the, the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions, begins a process of, as we are Jesus' disciples, begins a process of gradually becoming progressively more and more like Jesus. And then our spirit is radically transformed from old to new. So you see there are three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And the way that we understand how joy works uh, is affected by the way we understand body, soul, and spirit. And I actually, uh, I have an illustration for this, but before I get into it, I want to read this scripture just so that you understand this is a biblical approach to this. This isn't just like, my personal opinion or anything like that. So 1 Thessalonians 5.23 <clears throat> says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. And so I have an illustration where I'm going to talk a little bit more about that scripture, but to do that, I have to go to my prayer cabin. And so let's send it to Aaron in the prayer cabin. Thanks, Aaron. I'll take it from here. Now, I'm sure whatever he's been telling you is great, but I'm about to demonstrate to you how you can have joy that is not affected or influenced or impact in any way by your surroundings, your circumstances, your situations. 
Now, we just learned that we are a three-part being, right? Body, soul, spirit. Spirit, soul, body. We're made up of these three parts. It's what the Bible says. Listen in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, spirit, soul, and body. Now, let's zoom out for just a second from the idea of joy, and let's talk about satisfaction. You can have satisfaction. Some of you at a certain age level might remember a song that claimed, you can't get no satisfaction. It's not true. You can have satisfaction, but it looks different in these different parts of who we are. So, for instance, in our body, satisfaction is experienced as pleasure. Now, what does that mean? Let me illustrate this to you. I have right here a platter of smoked ribs and pulled pork. Smoked ribs that were smoked over uh, applewood charcoal, over hickory logs, over many, many hours. It's wonderful. It's delicious. Uh, pulled pork that was slow cooked, smoked over hickory wood uh, for 16 hours. Slow cooked pulled pork. Delicious. Got a little bit of Gates barbecue sauce there. And uh, when this is consumed, satisfaction in the form of pleasure will be experienced. And when I'm done with this video, this will magically disappear. Now, if someone were to come along and take this away from me, then I would be robbed of that satisfaction. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see where I'm going with that? There is a satisfaction in my body that I can experience. It's contingent upon something happening a certain way. And if that something is taken away, let's not think about that, okay? But if that something is taken away, then I don't get to experience that satisfaction. It works the same way in our soul. We experience satisfaction in our soul and we call it happiness, happiness. And that happens when things are going well. You have a good day, you have a good report, you have something good happen at work, uh, you have a wonderful day, you take your family to the park, everybody has a good time and you are happy. On the other hand, you have a bad day, you know, you get sick, you're, 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 you get fired, you know, something happens, you break up with your uh, boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, you have a bad day and you are robbed of the happiness that you could have had. It's taken away. But in our spirit, we experience satisfaction in the form of what we're talking about today, joy. We experience joy in our spirit, and, and that is not taken away. It's not contingent upon circumstances. The joy of the Lord is unaffected by your situation. Isn't that good news? Think about the situations you're in right now. It cannot touch the joy of the Lord. Philippians 4.4 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, the Bible wouldn't command us to do that if it were not possible to do it. So what, what does this look like? If, if, we, if we have, let's take a look at this a little bit more. If we have a container for satisfaction called the body, then we can have things come along 
that will give us satisfaction and will give us pleasure. If we have a container uh, in our soul for satisfaction, things come along that make us happy and we have um, happiness in our soul, satisfaction in our soul. And then, of course, we just talked about how joy is a satisfaction that God gives us and he puts in there. Now, there's a difference between our spirit container for satisfaction, for joy, and these other two. Because what God does is he comes in and he seals what he put in your spirit. He seals it up. And look, you can have things happen in life. You can have turbulence that moves everything around. And some of what you're experiencing as satisfaction might spill out, right? You might get a bad report from the doctor and you're not happy. And this spills out. You might get a, a sickness in your body and you're not feeling pleasure in your body anymore. Maybe you just have a headache, but you're not feeling pleasure. And some of this spills out. But the joy that God puts in your spirit cannot be taken away. And that's a wonderful thing. And the thing that is that takes this even further and makes it even more amazing is that we can actually take from this container of joy and pour in to our soul. So if your soul is unhappy, David in the Old Testament says downcast, you can actually pour, you can draw from the well of joy that God gives you into your soul. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Psalms 43, five says this. Now this is David uh, talking to his own soul. This is David in his spirit preaching to his soul. This is something we need to be doing on a regular basis. Listen to what he says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. David is preaching to his soul. And as he preaches to his soul, he's drawing from the well of what God's put in him and he's filling himself up. And what that means is even if turbulent times come where he loses a little bit of this happiness, he has an inexhaustible supply of this joy that he can draw from. Uh, Psalms 103, 1 through 5, David's preaching to himself again. He says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And he says it again, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who pardons your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, uh, who who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy and satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Chris talked about that a little bit last week. And so again, David is speaking from his spirit to his soul and he's filling himself up by drawing from that well, that inexhaustible supply of joy. Can you, can you understand how important this is? Can you see how big of a game changer this is? If you're, if tomorrow morning you wake up and you get some bad news that wants to rob you of soul happiness, you have an inexhaustible supply of joy that is protected and sealed by God that you can draw from. And many times we're commanded 
in the word of God to rejoice in the Lord. Think about all the times you've read that. Rejoice in the Lord. Uh, the, the, the word rejoice literally means to make full of joy. To make full of joy. Now, when the Bible says rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice, we could literally translate that, take the definition and plug it in, and it would say this. Make yourself full of joy in the Lord at all times. I will say it again, make yourself full of joy. So this is the truth about the power of joy. But there has to be more than just knowing about it. We have to be able to know where to find it and to live it. You know, uh, really the the big weakness of that illustration, which there was no real way that I could possibly illustrate this, is that when you draw from that well of joy in your spirit, uh, it does not diminish, right? Because here's, here's, the, here's the truth. Your need for joy in your life cannot place enough of a demand on God's supply that you can diminish it. So however much joy you need, you know, you might be sitting here today like, I need a whole lot of joy. However much joy you need, you're not going to bankrupt God. And so there is an inexhaustible supply. And that's why I say joy is so much more than what we may have given it credit to be. Joy is a game changer. Joy is a difference maker. And joy, again, is a fruit or a result of relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I want to move fairly quickly through these next two ideas, just kind of quickly move through them. But I don't want to skip them because they're part of what we need to know. So we, we kind of understand what joy is now. This is a whole lot more than just being happy. This is supernatural strength that can't be affected by any circumstance, anything that happened in your life. It's not touched by that. It's an inexhaustible supply. It's a well that never runs dry. And you can draw from that fountain anytime you need to. But where do you, how do you do that? Where do you find joy? Well, we said that it's a result of relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So what does that mean? How, how can we make this applicable? How can we get practical and walk out of here and say, I want to experience joy starting now? Well, Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. What is in his presence? Fullness of joy. Where is fullness of joy? In his presence. In his presence is how much joy? Fullness. It's not like God saying, come into my presence and I'll give you a little bit of joy. And then you just go find the rest, right? No. In his presence is fullness of joy. Where is fullness of joy? In his presence. In his presence. And so, again, the fruit of the Spirit is the result of relationship with the Spirit of God. It's the result of relationship. Where is joy? It's found in the relationship. 
Now, let me say something here, and I, wanna be, I don't want to be confusing or, or mislead in any way. Uh, coming into a service on a weekend is not a relationship with God. It's a part of a relationship with God, but it is not in and of itself a relationship with God. And so I'm wanting to say that because if that's what you've been experiencing up till now, and you're, you're saying, well, I don't, I'm not, I understand what the Bible says about joy. I just, I'm not getting that in my own life. Well, joy does exist and it is for you, but it is found in a certain place. And you have to go to that. You have to be in that place to get it. And it's in the presence of God. And so you may come to church and, they, and, and we may do a song that is really just elevates you and lifts your heart and you have a moment of joy. But then you go back out into the world, into your week, and it's just, just, oh, it's just a dumpster fire of a week, right? And it's like, I want some of that joy that I had on Sunday at church. Well, it's there. It's still there. It's not in this building. It's in his presence. And so Jesus talked about this. And aren't you glad that Jesus talked about this and you don't just have to lean on the authority of my personal opinion, right? So here's what Jesus said. John 15, 10 through 11, he said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You will abide in my love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be full. You will abide in my love. I'm telling you this so that your joy can be full. Jesus, in that same chapter, John 15, he talks more about the idea of abiding in him. Now, that word abide means to tarry, to remain, and to stay. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. What are we talking about here? The fruit of the Spirit, joy. And Jesus is saying, look, if you stay with me, if you remain with me, then you're going to experience fullness of joy. If you visit me on the weekends, you'll get a taste. I'm not, I'm not lying about that. You'll get a taste. But if you want fullness of joy, that joy that can't be touched when your boss yells at you on Monday morning or when your kids act up on Wednesday night or whatever the case may be. If you want that kind of joy, you have to just keep hanging out with me. You have to remain. You have to abide. You have to tarry with me. That's what Jesus is talking about. So abiding in him leads to fullness of joy. And if we learn how to live in the presence of God, we become containers of joy that are perpetually full. And you can do that. You can do that. So what that means to live in the presence of God or to abide with him or to, to stay with him, that means that when you come here, you're with him. When you get up in the morning and you go to your prayer closet or wherever you go, when you spend time with God, you're with him in his presence. But then you're still with him when you're driving to work. And when you're actually working, you're, you're with him. And you learn how, and this isn't just words. This isn't just a nice churchy sentiment that I'm talking about. This is real, legitimate, 
a real legitimate way that you can live your life. You learn how to live your life with him, aware of his presence, seriously, aware that he is there, that he's with you. Just like imagine somebody just hanging out with you all day, or maybe more accurately, you hanging out with them all day. And that's what it's like. There's a quote that I came across last week that kind of hits the nail on the head. It says this, you're only as strong as your joy. And if you lost your peace, go back to where you left it. Learn to maintain an awareness of God's presence in your life. This is abiding in him. This is experiencing fullness of joy in his presence. It's a real thing. It's a real principle. It really works. I promise. And if you will do it, if you will take God up on that promise, you will experience supernatural joy. Okay. This is how we see from our perspective joy, what it is and how it functions. Here's a question. How does God see it? What is God's perspective on how joy should work in our life? That's kind of a whole other dimension to this that might help us understand it even more. Another way to ask that would be, what is the kingdom of God purpose for joy? You know, because if you understand why God wants this in your life, uh, it's going to put even more weight behind why you should be pursuing it or really pursuing the relationship with the spirit. So here's the thing. Overflow is how the kingdom of God works. And this is a principle that applies to a lot more than just joy. Listen, and if you you get this, this is a really big deal. God works on the principle of overflow. So what it means is, God wants to give to you love, or peace, or joy. And he wants to give that to you up to the point where your capacity to receive is... And then he just keeps giving it to you. This is how he works. And you're like, this is, I can't take it. God, I've got, I'm full. I'm full. You've filled me up with joy. you filled me up with peace. But what he does is, and maybe if I was speaking in an elevator or something, I would have like some really like messy drink that stained the floor. And I would walk around and I would pour it into a glass until it like overflowed on people. Just to kind of show you how it works. But that is how it works. God wants to fill you up so much that there's an excess, that there's leftovers. And people that get close to you, people in your world, people that you know that I don't know, people that you work with, people that live across the street from you, when they get close to you, they actually get to taste a little bit of the goodness of God. You know, there's a verse that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And this is how the kingdom of God works. It's meant to overflow. He wants to fill you up all the way. And then that joy should be infectious. It's like the one, the one case where it's okay to be a super spreader, right? You can be a super spreader of joy. You can be a super spreader of peace and love. And I used to have this wrong idea of how this worked. And God had to correct me. Uh, and I'm so glad that he did because I really didn't get it. Here's what I used to think. I used to think that I have to go up the mountain 
to where God is. And then God fills me up. And then I come back down to the mountain, down to the valley, where everybody else is. And then everybody else draws on that supply that God put in me until I'm depleted and empty and poured out and exhausted. And I'm just being totally transparent and honest with you here. There, there was a day, there was a time when on Sunday afternoons, I would almost take pride in the idea that I was so exhausted because I felt like I did something, right? It's like, well, I really, man, I really poured myself out this weekend. I'm so exhausted. And, I, and then I believed that, okay, now I gotta go back up the mountain again for God to fill me back up and then come back down to the valley and then people draw on that and I'm empty and exhausted and then the circle and the cycle continues. And then God finally showed me what I learned is you're supposed to live off of the overflow. So you can't touch or take away what God has put in me. You get to live off the overflow, and I get to stay full all the time. That's how that's supposed to work. And that works when you learn how to abide in his presence. Because as soon as that overflow is, does this making sense? I'm kind of talking in like metaphors and stuff here, but I want you to see how this works. As, 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 as somebody comes around you and they begin to draw on this supernatural joy, God's just constantly keeping you full. And this is the principle that works. And this is how the kingdom of God works. He wants to fill you up and he wants you to be full all the time. And then he wants that goodness, whether it's in the form of love, joy, peace, patience, whatever it may be, that goodness, he wants other people to taste it. People that don't know him yet. He wants people to come up to you and say, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something. And whatever it is, I want it. That's happened to me before. People that I haven't preached to or, you know, given the the gospel to in words. But then they're like, what's going on? And then there's an open door to talk about the love of Jesus. But that's how it works. You get the overflow. I get to stay full. And uh, we all get to experience the goodness and the love of God. Overflow is how the kingdom works. Okay, let me bring it in with this last one thing I want to talk about. And this is the thing. This is, this is where we've been headed. This is where we've been going. Uh, everything else up to this point has been necessary to lay a foundation for what I want to say right now. Because we had to understand what joy is. We had to kind of clarify that in case there were any is there any confusion or misconceptions about what joy is, we had to be able to understand where you find joy. And then we had to understand why God wants us full of joy. And we've covered that, so we're good. But what if you've heard all of this and you're sitting there and you're thinking, I still, I, I am not experiencing that kind of joy in my life. I'm, the, I'm that person who sometimes I'm happy and sometimes I'm down, and it all depends on what's going on. And I can, ha- I can have a great day, but then if I talk to this one certain person, I am down in the dumps for the rest of the day. And I, I want that joy. I just, it just seems like I can't quite step into that supernatural power of joy that the Bible's talking about. So 
we have to ask this question. What is holding you back from joy? Now, we were really clear. I was really clear that joy is not contingent upon circumstances or situations. So that's not it, you know. Having your boss yell at you tomorrow morning, that cannot steal your joy. Uh, You know, waking up with a headache, that cannot steal your joy. It can rob your happiness, but it can't steal your joy. But there can be things that block you from experiencing this type of joy we're talking about. It'd be like if you took your car, it wasn't running well, into the mechanic, and the mechanic's like, you got a blockage in your fuel line, that's why your engine's having trouble. Or maybe a worse case scenario for, than that would be you go to the cardiologist, right? Because it's like, I'm not feeling good. I don't have any energy. I'm fatigued. And he's like, well, we checked you out. There's a blockage in your arteries. And when we clear that blockage, you're going to feel so much better. There could be things that block your joy. And uh, here's what I want to do. Let's pause right here and let's pray. And what we're going to do is for the next five minutes, we're going to ask that God, the Holy Spirit, would uh, give us a prompt or a nudge if any of these things that I share is is the issue with you, holding you back from experiencing joy, which, remember, is also your strength, right? So we're going to open ourselves up completely to the voice of the Holy Spirit, We're going to welcome him to uh, every single chamber and room of our life and our heart, and we're going to ask him to lead us as we look at these last three things. So let's pray. Lord, by your spirit right now, I ask that you would move through this room, that you would speak to every single person as needed. And God, I ask in the name of Jesus that every heart would be open every ear would be open, and that if there is anything actively going on that is keeping us from experiencing this supernatural empowerment of joy and strength, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal it to us, and you would show us so that we could bring it out into the light, surrender it to you, and be free of it. Because, Lord, we know it's true. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk about three possible things that can steal or block your joy. Three possible things. Is this an exhaustive list? No. But these are the three things in my experience of counseling and talking to people and praying with people for now many years. These are the three things that I find are by far the most prevalent and the most common. So what, can, what has the power to block you from experiencing joy? The first thing is bitterness or unforgiveness. And I, I could say bitterness that results from unforgiveness. Uh, bitterness is kind of like the unholy fruit of unforgiveness. And unforgiveness uh, is something that we can allow to be an incredibly powerful thing in our life. There's a quote that I heard a long time ago that's always stuck with me that says, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And unforgiveness is something that's so important to release because of the power that it has to hold you back. Now, 
Let's make one thing really clear. Unforgiveness, or forgiveness rather, forgiveness is not tied to the thing that happened to you. Forgiveness is just about you. So if I say, I see that you need to forgive, and your response is, yeah, but you don't know what they did. I'm not saying that something horrible didn't happen to you. I'm just saying there is a difference between forgiveness and consequences. And forgiveness is about you being free. It's about you moving on. It's about you being released from the influence and the effect of whatever that thing might be. And so you need to be free. This isn't about a pardon. This is about forgiveness. This is about you saying, I let it go. And forgiveness is something that's incredibly important to Jesus. Incredibly important. Listen to Matthew 6, 14. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, we're not going to get into the theological weeds of once saved, always saved, and grace and things like that. Can we just agree together that Jesus considers forgiveness to be an incredibly important thing? So if you have something in your life that is creating bitterness because there's forgiveness that you have not yet, uh, you know, forgiven someone, this can block experiencing the joy of the Lord. It can block it. So it needs to be removed. And so we're asking the Holy Spirit right now to tell us if there's something like that going on. The next thing, and of the three, this may be the biggest thing. So there's no order of importance here. The next thing that can block you from experiencing this wonderful thing we call joy is shame or unrepentant sin. Shame or unrepentant sin. Now, let me say this. A lot of times when we talk about shame, we talk about it in the context of grace. And we talk about it in the context of uh, sin that Jesus has, you know, gone to the cross. He died on the cross for us. He died on the cross as us. He's forgiven us of our sin. We've repented. We've come to him and then we teach, and I teach, and I believe that you shouldn't be continuing to carry around shame when Jesus has forgiven you of that and you have repented. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about active sin that has not been repented of. Now, please understand where I'm coming from. I am not standing up here railing away at everybody, you dirty sinner, blah, blah, blah. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying there's a thing called joy that's so good, you don't even understand how good it is. It's a game changer. It'll make the difference in your life. And if there's anything blocking you from experiencing it, we got to identify what that is and get it out. Because you need to experience joy. And so here's how, here's how shame works. Many times unrepented sin comes in the form of some type of an addiction, right? Not all the time, but lots of times it does. Drugs, alcohol, any kind of an addiction. It could be gluttony. Many times it's pornography. 
Did you know that the most recent statistics, at least the most recent statistics that I saw, said that 70%, listen to this, 70% of men in church are looking at pornography. 30% of women are looking at pornography. Do you know what that means? That means that statistically speaking, statistically speaking, it's very likely that there are people in this room that that's going on in their life right now. Statistically speaking. Does that mean for sure? No, it doesn't mean for sure. I'm just saying if we look at the statistics, it's likely. And any type of ongoing sin, here's what it does. And I, I'm, this is true. This is accurate. Here's what it does. Joy is found in the presence of the Lord. The Bible talks about the ways that you can enter his presence, and I'm not going to get into that right now. Think about that idea of entering the presence, though. Unrepented sin generates shame. Shame stands at the doorway. And as you try to go into the presence of God, whether you realize this is happening or not, this is what's happening. As you, as you try to enter the presence of God, shame says, eh, we both know what's going on. You know what's going on. I know what's going on. Those people, they may belong in there. You know you don't belong in there. And shame stands as an accuser at the doorway to the presence of God and says, you don't belong. What does that do? It keeps you from experiencing joy. And as a result of that, it depletes you of strength. It's, an, it's, it's a horrible, terrible process that goes on in your life. Not to mention the outcome of sin uh, that it wants to eventually bring forth in your life. I'm not going to get into that too much. But the beautiful thing is, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Two things happen right there. Number one is we confess our sins. And that's saying, okay, I, I take ownership. I'm admitting this. This is happening. It is sin. I confess it. And then the second thing that happens is he cleanses us from unrighteousness. That's repentance. That's when you turn from sin and the power of God comes in and cleanses you from the power of that sin. And you are free. And if that's you today, God wants you free. And he wants you to experience joy. And so what's going to happen in just about three minutes is there's going to be an opportunity for you to experience joy and be free from this sin. And if the Holy Spirit is nudging you that way, do not turn a deaf ear to that. Respond to it. Obey, because he wants you free. The last thing, and I'm going to have the band come back up for this one. The last thing that can rob you of joy is the idea of envy or comparison. And this is a simple thing, and I'm not going to take much time on it. This is a simple thing. Envy or comparison, it has the power to block joy. Because what this is, is really it's an identity issue. It's an identity issue. It's, it's where you are looking at yourself and then you're looking at somebody else and it's like, well, they've got something I don't want or they've got something I do want. I've got something I don't want. They've got a relationship I wish I had. 
They've got, a, they've got a position I wish I had. They've got a possession I wish I had. People are looking at them and then they're looking at me and, and I look lesser than. All of that kind of thinking stems from not understanding your identity, not understanding who God says you are, not understanding what God sees when he looks at you. And this applies to, to like a brand new believer, and this applies to somebody who's following Jesus for 40 years. Any one of us can fall into that trap of comparison and envy and lose sight of who the Father says we are. But here's the wonderful thing. When you get in touch again and you see again who God says you are, then all of that envy and comparison goes away. It can't hang around when you understand what God says about you. So this is what we're going to do to kind of close out today. It's a little bit different. I want to ask you to stand up with me, please. And we're going to act on this. And we're going to do one last song, kind of uh, quiet. And I want to ask our ministry leaders, uh, not our prayer ministry team, but just our ministry leaders to come forward, uh, any of those who are in the room here. And if you are in one of two categories, number one, you just have heard me talking about joy and you're like, whatever that is, I just want it. If there's a superpower of joy that God has for me, I want that. And I just want to come up and have somebody pray with me so that I can learn how to step into that and start living it. That's you, then you're gonna come forward. Or if after we prayed and we asked the Holy Spirit to lead us and we talked about those three areas that block joy, you know, if you've got uh, comparison and envy going on, if you've got uh, bitterness and your unforgiveness in your life, or if you have shame and unrepented sin and you just, I wanna come up and I want just one person in, you know, discreetly to pray with me and say, look, I've got this in my life. I'm ready to be free today. I'm ready to step into joy. Then as we do this song, anybody in this room, come up, let us pray with you. And we're gonna see God pull people into joy, amen. Father, we thank you for what you're doing right here in this place. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. Lord, we believe that many people today are going to step into joy, are going to experience joy, they're gonna wonder where this has been all their life. They're gonna wonder how they ever got by without this, but they're gonna get it and they're never gonna lose it from here on out. So God, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would give each person that needs to come up here boldness right now in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, just fill this room with your presence. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, if that's you, if you want to have joy break out in your life, please come up right now. Let us pray with you. Amen.